Hello, and welcome to the Betsy Betsy Boss Podcast. Welcome back. (laughs) Um, This week, we've got a long story for you. Oh, yeah. Not a short story. Oh, And And not a smart story. (laughs) And not a smart story, even though we confuse the two famous Elizabeths between this story and Elizabeth Smart. Um, so do we have any liver tea to spill this week? Well, I think we have some liver Murray. <laughs> that is awful. That is right? not even funny. Oh, it's very funny. <laughs> but yeah, we have in the studio with us tonight our new mascot, Murray. Who Live is, from New York. <laughs> it's Saturday Night Murray. He's a little dog and he is just adorable. He's four pounds of fun. And oh, oh my god, I didn't realize it's a little No, he's light as a feather. That's what he weighed oh, at the vet. He's and such a he's guy. brand spanking new. Adopt don't shop, except I may or may not have shopped for him. Sorry oh. for all you adopting um, pet owners. That's a great thing to do. But my ass was desperate because my dog oh. passed away a couple weeks ago, ran yeah. out, and found this mofo online. And he is oh. cute as a button. And hence the, the little break last week because it was Murray's gotcha day. Yes, it was Murray's <laughs> gotcha day. God bless him. So oh he is snoozing at our feet right I, now. Yeah, I can't get over it. He is. He is absolutely just toning us out, which is amazing. It's incredible. Look, he's a little, oh, oh, and now he's not. There he goes. God bless his little oh, heart. He look is at just. Him. Oh, he is a he's, tired oh, little He's bum. super sleepy. He's got toe beans. Oh that are all different colors mm, he's got it all us. he's got it all we just have to get him some gear and then we'll be oh my god on I, the like, move i want a little dog hat or right something. i'm thinking like a little bandana oh, you know yes, he's yes. so itty bitty right now but little he will dog grow bowl, something. Yeah, a little bow and we'll have to distribute them for oh my god wider oh. use yeah, we pics are needed. Of yes, I'll have to post gear. his ass on our little Instagram Ugh. because he looks like a baby fox or a baby deer oh. or a baby bat. He just looks yeah. like every baby animal ever, and oh. he is darling. Fuzzy so. and fun. Yeah, all the F words. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so that's our kind of fun news for the week. That was sort of uplifting. Um, it seems like TikTok's still up and running, so obviously D. Trump didn't shut that down. Yeah, I guess that hasn't, yeah, hasn't taken effect there. And I do have to say, one of our awesome listeners, Megan Kuski, did send over an article about Britney Spears, which I was really (gasps) excited to see. Yes, I've seen that. I've seen it. I've had a couple of videos come up on my, I always put that on in the background, like just YouTube or whatever, and I saw that it was kind of picking up a little bit i think recently yeah there's some more murmurings not to be confused with murmur <laughs> the dog murraying murraying's of uh, so essentially what happened was britney's conservatorship got extended another six months did it really it did and what happened I'm is shocked. i was shocked too with all this like crazy support and everything like right. that the outpouring um, and she apparently made a social media post saying, I can wow. feel your hearts and I know you can feel mine. And basically, the conservatorship is going to last now until February 2021, uh, which seems far, but kind of doesn't the way this yeah. year's going. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this year might as well be over. Right. Like, it's kind of, that's what I feel. But um, yeah, so this its extension happened right after there was this court wow. filing that got submitted just on Monday that basically said that Britney, 
who's now 38 years old, is strongly opposed to having her father, Jamie, be the sole conservator. And what happened after that was the 68-year-old Jamie Spears, her father, Mm -hmm. stepped down from that role as the sole conservator last year after more than a decade of being the sole conservator. So it's there's a lot going on with this conservatorship. Probably more than has happened for the life of the conservatorship. Well, seriously, for how long it's gone on. Right. So there was a hearing on Wednesday. It was closed to the public. And the judge at the hearing decided, all right, the conservatorship is going to continue for another six months. And in May, you know, just this past May, the conservatorship had already been previously extended until August 22nd, which was two days ago. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I feel like it just keeps getting pushed and pushed and pushed. Exactly, exactly. Like, So, ugh, but um, essentially at least – by now, the judge um, asked Britney Spears' lawyer to file a petition with the court that would remove Jamie Spears, her father, okay. as the conservator by September 18th. Okay. So at least that seems like it's kind of a step in the positive sure. direction to just get the even, right people. Yeah, just even filing that. Like. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's strange. I mean, she wrote this kind of cryptic message on Instagram being like, I feel like we will look back at this time in quarantine as a huge transitional stage in our lives. We don't know when things will go back to normal, but we're staying positive and learning so much about ourselves. For me, I want to thank all my dear, sweet, real fans for being so damn wonderful. She thanks them for their support, all this. I mean, I don't know. I know. Well, and how can you ever know that, like, this is not an edited or monitored, you know, comment she's making. Like, right. In like, this who situation. Is this? Yeah. Just like, oh, man. Yeah. So the whole idea is that because of the big changes in Britney's life, the conservatorship has to reflect those changes by also changing. And what Britney wants is for this Jody Montgomery, who's a licensed conservator. And who took over last September, <gasps> which is how that? do you even become that? I don't know, but I want to know oh, because apparently it pays well. Oh, I'm sure it does. Right. So, well, if you're, yeah, Britney Spears' conservator. Like, ugh, what a conservator to be. You're in yeah. control of this huge fortune, this big important person, whatever. But she, the petition basically says, please keep Jody Montgomery as the licensed conservator, you know to let her continue in this role because she's done such a great job for almost a year so that's kind of good well it sounds like too that could be a good transitional kind of like step away from her father to her getting out of this conservatorship altogether yes you know having that third party and then eventually hopefully you know kind of going off of um everything altogether and being an independent self-sufficient entity yes (laughs) person yeah well apparently jamie her father is still fighting back against the free britney movement oh i'm sure and he said something to the effect of you know it's a joke all these conspiracy theorists don't know anything the world don't have a clue Mm. he says it's up to the court of california to decide what's best for my daughter it's no one else's business which as you know i mean britney spears's fans are a strong oh fan base very opinionated yes. would die for britney and unfortunately you just can't 
you can't calm those groups of people down. No, I mean, they're going to continue to say, leave Britney alone. Leave Britney alone, girl. <laughs> so we'll continue to see how things unfold. And I guess we'll see if in February, you know, 2021, oh, no. she's still in the same position. And if it gets revisited, and especially in light of COVID, I just know, yeah. like, just regular civil cases have been getting pushed and pushed and well, pushed. Well, I think her original, um, this, this not trial, what do I want to say, uh, court appearance mm-hmm. um, was delayed due to the original COVID situation going right. on. I think it was supposed to occur earlier on. Yeah, maybe and May. And all, all pushed it back, so. Right. So I guess we'll see. Pending yeah. further results, we'll find out um, kind of what goes down. Yeah, is Brittany back or not? Right? Who knows? Mm-hmm. But speaking of famous women and people who have – an eye towards stardom. That's right. Hollywood is their goal. Yep. Hollywood's the goal. We are talking today about the Black Dahlia. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who don't know, the Black Dahlia is a nickname for Elizabeth Short, not to be confused with Elizabeth Smart. Yes. I was saying this all before (laughs) this recording today, and I'm probably going to still flub up today. No, but oh. This is a crazy story, crazy scenario. It might be a multi-parter. We'll see how it goes. But Elizabeth Short was hungry for stardom, moved out west of the big city, just a synopsis here, and met her demise. Mm -hmm. And And it's still one of, like, probably one of the most infamous unsolved cases in California, if not the nation's history. Yes. Like, when we did JonBenet, I think... I feel like there's polls out there that have been done and the cases that people want, people that are into this stuff want solved the most. And I think the two of them are definitely up there together. Big time. Absolutely. Because it's just so um, scary. I mean, we'll get into the details of the murder and everything like that. But I think what John Bonet's murder and Elizabeth Short's murder had in common was sort of these elements of staging Mm. and just the histrionics, the production behind both murders, both of the setups when the bodies were first discovered. I mean, we'll talk all about it. That's a great point. Yeah. It really is chilling and I don't know, I think just creepy beyond measure. Absolutely. But fascinating to think when, you know, with the theories behind certain, you know, killers, potential murderers of these folks – you know, when you see the setup of how the bodies were discovered, you think, who would do this? Why would they do it? What is their MO? What is the driving force? And I think with the person that we'll discuss today, there's a clear driving force there. There's some clear fuck up for lack of a better word. <laughs> yep. And it's just a really interesting case to dive into. So yeah. it's exciting. Yeah. No, it's very interesting. And I think, too... Um, just obviously the media engagement and just very similar decades, many decades apart, um, just having these attractive, so weird way to put it, but like attractive young woman, attractive child, you know what I mean? Involved mm-hmm. in this pageant um, and Hollywood kind of lifestyle, this very showy kind of lifestyle. And I think it's obvious why both these cases kind of captured America's attention are still so intriguing to this day so true 
So should we get into Elizabeth and her history? Sure. Since she is the um, spotlight of this particular matter. So we have Elizabeth Short, born July 29th, actually just about a month ago now, um, 1924 in Boston, Massachusetts. She was the daughter of Cleo and Phoebe Short, the third of five daughters, which, whew, good God, yeah. Um, So they ended up moving and spent, she spent most of her life in Medford, Massachusetts, um, and I just think these details are so funny. So her father um, was actually really successful by building mini golf courses. What a random thing. Meanwhile. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, did he invent the windmill? You right, know, hole, exactly. I don't know. It's funny. But until the stock market crash. So unfortunately, at that time, obviously, people aren't going out and doing all these extra entertainment type things. So he ended up losing most of his money. And then it takes a really crazy, I feel like this is the type of thing that could only have happened back then before all this social media and everything like that. In 1930, her father's car was found abandoned on a bridge. And it was assumed that he committed suicide by jumping into the Charles River. Classic. Below. You know. What a way to go. Oh, okay. There's his car. He's gone. Standard. What do you do when yeah, you're you multi <laughs> mini golf course business goes <laughs> yeah, belly up? Like, you go belly seriously. up in the Charles River. Yeah, yeah, hole in one, nope, bye. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so around this time, uh, well, actually a little bit later, that, so the family just assumed that he had passed away. And then at age 15, Elizabeth actually had developed this really bad kind of upper respiratory uh, bronchitis issue. And this was, the thought back in the day was just send them to better climates or warmer climates. Right. It's too cold. Right. You know, she yeah. can't stand the harsh winters. Aggravating these issues or whatever. So she ended up spending part of her year in Florida. Um, went down there with family. And then in her sophomore year of high school, she dropped out. Um, and then, I don't know if we want to get into the whoop flip side here spoiler alert like what happens in 1942 who sends a letter Uh uh-huh who is it but your dead father oh wait i'm alive so basically the dead father the presumed dead father whose name was cleo right i know yes which isn't the name that you hear for most um gentlemen in the 40s yeah we have a neighbor dog named cleo right (laughs) speaking of dogs speaking of dogs yeah um but yeah they get this like letter of a apology from the husband back from the goddamn grave seriously and he basically says hey listen i'm alive i'm sorry i left couldn't deal with it couldn't deal i started a whole new life in california yeah other coast which other coast still warm still mild winters (laughs) so elizabeth short decides at age 18 to go to california live with her dad who she hadn't seen since she was like six and, you know, just to live with him in California and start, you know, getting into acting. Yeah, it was just kind of an, I could see that too. Like, just being, I can only imagine a high schooler back then in the era of like, golly gee whiz, like, let's go to a drive-in. You know what I mean? Right. Like, these kids back then, it was just like, chase the American dream. I'm going out west and I'm going to live with my dad. Like... I don't know. I just feel like things were so much less complicated, but also 
probably more complicated because when she moved out there, so she moved out um, to Vallejo in December of 1942, literally within like a month, January 1943, she had moved out. Yeah. (laughs) Like it was not working. She had a horrible relationship with her dad. They were constantly fighting. And then Elizabeth was basically a couch surfer ever since then. Yeah. You know, she was sort of a nomad, kind of drifting, you know, never really had a place. She took these odd jobs, you know, at like an Air Force base and kind of hung out with like army dudes who like it sounded like didn't treat her very nicely, sort of beat her around. And then, you know, eventually she kind of got (laughs) arrested for underage drinking. Yeah, this I think is actually kind of funny because... Well, not funny. That's not the right (laughs) word. But it does come back because this is one of the famous images that you see when you look up Elizabeth Short, um, obviously before the unfortunate, like, mutilated images we see, um, her mugshot that was taken when she was arrested for underage drinking in 1943 at a local bar. Right. Um, And so at that point, she was actually sent back to Massachusetts by the, I, I guess it was like the juvenile authority authorities yeah. yeah whatever you want to say but she actually ended up pretty much like sent back there moved down to florida and then kind of moved back you right. know what i mean <laughs> yeah and that's in florida while she was there she met um a major an army major um gordon which i guess they like referred to him as gordy and stuff like that um but he was this like decorated army air force officer he was training to get deployed in china and, you know, I, it just, Elizabeth would tell these tales about this, you know, Major Gordon and how he wanted to propose to her. And right. he would get in these crazy plane crashes and had injuries, this, that, and the third. And that she had accepted the offer, but that he eventually died in another plane crash. Right. Less than a Before week. could <laughs> fulfill this like right oh my god this is the thing that is just <sighs> she sounded very um dramatic, dramatic <laughs> which is kind of perfect that she was into drama because right. she was sort of a drama queen but doesn't it like this is fascinating to me as somebody living in the era that we do where it's like you can't just move from state to state and just like start over and so i I don't know what's true about this. I don't know what's exaggerated and all that. But, like, it's so easy for her to just be like, oh, yes, I was proposed to. Oh, yeah. Like, right. she could just move anywhere and just tell and these And be whoever stories. she wanted to be. Like, yeah, start over it's again. it's so crazy to me. Yeah. It was a lot of tall tales, it sounded like. Yeah. So then, I mean, she really had a thing for army guys. Oh, yeah. She goes back to L.A. in 1946. Mm-hmm. Right after, like, less than a year after Gordy died, and she goes to visit this lieutenant, and she knew him from Florida, he was, like, close with her in Florida, whatever, and he was stationed at the um, naval base in Long Beach. So she spent these great six months with this guy in Southern California, mostly in L.A., and she was working as a waitress. She was trying to get into acting. She was doing everything she could to get into acting. You know, taking these, like, dumb little studio jobs. She would well, just do... It's just funny because it's, even today, the classic, like, oh, you're an actress? Oh, you're a waitress. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it's so true. Yeah. So, yeah, she was always kind of thought of as this wannabe, would-be actress. 
actress who was just constantly trying to climb into stardom, but never really got off the ground and was always sort of waitressing to make ends meet. And she really just, she had an empty resume. She was trying and trying, but she couldn't get a job. She would go on all of these different auditions and sometimes she'd get second auditions, but mostly it just led to more auditions and never really resulted in an actual acting job. Yep. So then going into Dun Dun Dun, the actual (laughs) date um, where we start to see things happening in this case. Mm -hmm. Um, So January 9th, 1947, at the time she was living at, she was renting a room behind the Florentine Gardens nightclub on Hollywood Boulevard. Again, right in the middle of the action of everything. Right, Right behind the club. Oh, yes. So in 1947, she had returned to L.A. after a brief trip to San Diego with, talk about a 50s name here, a <laughs> Robert Red Manley, Ooh. a man she was dating. Who he, was married, by the way. Yeah, a 25-year-old married salesman. Right. So um, our good old bud, the 25-year-old married salesman, <laughs> says that he dropped um elizabeth off at the biltmore hotel in downtown la again on this day january 9th 1947 Mm. she was going to meet her sister that afternoon who was actually in town visiting from boston so he was one of the last i would say at least after looking at this like really credible witnesses to see her alive before all this crazy stuff happened but there were a couple other people that said that they saw her out and about during this last day. So some of the Biltmore staff said that they remembered seeing her use the telephone in the lobby not long after she was dropped off. And then not long after that, after placing that phone call, other individuals said that they saw her at the Crown Grill Cocktail Lounge about just a little under half a, uh, half a mile away. Right. Yeah. So, which sounds credible or legitimate. Yeah, it does, but... It doesn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's well, hard. It's hard to say, like, how many people looked like her back then. Like, I don't know. You know right? what I mean? Exactly. And yeah. she, you know, she did look pretty common. I mean, she was beautiful. She did have kind of this dark, striking hair, these right. dark clothes, you know, which hence the name Black Dahlia, which yep. we'll get into. But, you know, people really did look like that. There were a lot of pretty yeah. girls in L.A. who were wannabe actresses and had that striking look. And sure. obviously there were girls who were more striking than she was because they were getting the jobs that she couldn't get. <laughs> right. So, you know, it, it, you kind of picture her being this like, oh, how could you miss her? She's this like right. sensational black beauty. Dahlia. Right, yeah. exactly. And But then again, it's sort of like, well... She was pretty and she was beautiful. Yeah, and you're and also in L.A. In yeah, like where everybody's the beautiful. Big start of the heyday of this Hollywood boom. So. Right, exactly. So, yeah. anyway, um, well, January fifteenth, nineteen forty-seven, she was discovered. Do we want to get into that? Yeah. So, um, I guess just going into that, this this I always remember. I don't even need to like look at my notes for this one, except for the name. Um, 
So Betty Bursinger, <laughs> she was, and it's so crazy to think of LA with like these open patches of just like open lots and fields and whatever. Right, at that because time. it's so not like that oh, anymore. Not I even mean, close. Don't you wish you had one of those maps with the see-through top layer that they show you of like the city development where you it's, can lift up kind of the top it's panel? So interesting to me. It's like fascinating. That is just, like, it's crazy, especially out there because. I'm going to get this wrong. Um, the one movie... 500 Days of Summer? No. It, I want to say it, it was There Will Be Blood. Oh, shit. It's the one about the oil boom. That sounds like There Will Be Blood. I never saw it, but... Really? Mm-hmm. It's, it's good. And it... it <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. Um, there, I want to say that's what it is. I'm probably going to get it wrong. But it was just so interesting to see, like this was California and this was the West not that long ago. Like right. not in, even in the scheme of our like short lived country, like that the West is like, it's crazy how quickly it just developed into this urban Mecca. It's out so there. true. And now it's like the most crowded trafficy place oh, in the world. Well, they all also have terrible public transportation. They sure do. That. It's a disaster. That's another, another story for another day. Exactly. Uh, but but anyway. poor Betty Bursinger. Oh, She's walking with her BB. three-year-old. BB. BB, Betsy <laughs> Boss yeah. and Betty Bursinger. Oh, yeah. She's just pulling a typical housewife, probably probably coming from a Tupperware party the night before. Probably. <laughs> oh, she's fresh oh. out of meeting Brownie Wise on her yes. porch for a little Tupperware demonstration. Oh. She comes across this body. It's 10 a.m. Oh, out in the so open, awful. pretty much. She thinks she sees a discarded store man. Okay, stop right there. This is, I have like three, th- after all the true crime, this is a good one. I feel like we need a post on this on, yes. on Instagram. My three rules about um, true crime documentaries. Never a mannequin. We all know this from it's never my favorite a mannequin, ma- my favorite murder. It's never a mannequin. Everybody thinks it's a mannequin. It makes sense because your brain doesn't like. How can it be anything but a man? How can it be a real body? Right. Number two, you don't. If you light up a room, you you're die. dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and number three, check the life insurance. If yes. they died and the life insurance was just taken out about a month before. We got him. The person who took yep, it out did it, yeah. baby. Wife or husband, done. It's over. Yep. That is so true. <laughs> I've seen way too many of these, and it's just like, literally, those are the three tropes that constantly come up. And oh, it's they're just like, so pervasive. Ugh. And especially, I mean, in this one, obviously, the ones that hit home are, this bitch lit up a room. She was always trying right. to, you know, be this big star and it, this she was had this beautiful gripping persona and she right. was so unique Dark and special and yes and beauty and whatever yeah. and then there's also the clear it ain't no damn mannequin bitch it's a severed body i swear to god every single episode i've ever seen of of they think anything it's a they're like i thought it was a mannequin it's like no, there, it, no one has ever discarded a mannequin on the side of the right? road. Ever. And it's mannequins never happened. don't bleed. No offense. I mean, I know it was desanguinated <laughs> or whatever, but anyway. No, but still, what is Macy's doing? Just like tossing out mannequins right, left, left and right, and right on the side of the this road. This is not the movie Mannequin, which by the way yes. is terrifying. Oh my God, you referenced before. Right? Not a fan. Yeah, but... no. Not a good one. Oh. But yeah, this poor Elizabeth Short. So she, well, what was left of her 
were two severed halves. Um, yes. It was totally severed at the waist. Her body drained of blood. It was a white, you know, skin tone that was left, which is kind of makes it more understandable why they thought that it was a mannequin. I guess. Yeah. Well, and yeah. And your mind just doesn't want to go there. At the, oh, like, of course. It's cognitive dissonance, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. you're not going to think like, oh, there's a dead yeah, person. Yeah, worst case scenario. Oh, it's somebody severed in half, of course. Right, naturally. I mean, we would probably think that, oh, but we're also insane. <laughs> um, yeah, so the medical examiner, once they got their hands on her, basically determined that she had probably been dead for like 10 hours before she got discovered yeah so she probably died at night on january 14th or early in the morning on january 15th and what was so weird was first of all the body got totally washed right by the the killer right washed clean from fingerprints whatever any evidence with like some sort of i forget how they termed it it was like a horsehair brush, like a coarse Yeah, you could brush. see kind of the marks of just like this, this, um, not vigorous, what do I want to say, like, um. Like a rough. Rough brushing, just like a, a very, um, yeah. Yeah, clear, like, it had been brushed. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Right. And the state of the body is so messed oh, up. Oh, especially so, for this ugh, time, too. Yes. Like, how can that not be a, a, a clue? Ha- right. That, And like we said, I mean, the way that these bodies were discovered, whether it was John Bonet or Elizabeth Short, they were just found in these very symbolic, very unusual, yep. you know, layouts where it's like somebody is trying to communicate something. What yeah. are they trying to say? What is the killer trying to represent? So what we found when we found Elizabeth Short's body was this slashed face. She basically got slashed ear to ear Mm -hmm. from the corners of her mouth. So it looked like a maniacal grin. It's called the Glasgow smile. Right. Well, all I can think of is the Joker. Yes, me too. That just, it is so creepy. You have to wonder, is like that... Even if even if they didn't realize it, is that somehow like in the back of their mind the inspiration for kind of that appearance? Yes, like that's it's so, true. so creepy. It's beyond. And among those disgusting changes to her face, there were also these really severe cuts on her breasts and thighs. I think both nipples were removed. Mm-hmm. She had a tattoo of a rose on her thigh. That was cut out completely and I believe stuffed in her nether regions. And then her intestines were removed and were like kind of tucked underneath her. Right. Um, And then the hands were over the head um, sort of posed and the elbows were sort of bent at a right angle. So you can picture it sort of looks like a surrender. Like your hands are up, you know. And another thing too is that Clearly with this, so the, the, and I'm sure we'll get into this, the technique for cutting the body in half was called a hemi... Corpectomy. Corpectomy. There you go. Mm -hmm. I knew you'd get it on the first try. Yeah. Which Um, only a skilled surgeon would really know how to do this, right? Because you have to... And especially what I saw during a certain time, this was very much taught in medical schools during the 1930s which is so bizarre meanwhile like when do you ever have to do right when do you like we're not that short on graves or land or whatever that you gotta like right you gotta like cut people up or whatever or like 
I, I don't even know. But yeah. yeah, apparently based on, you know, the type of, I'm trying to be delicate about it, but there's no way to do it. The, t- the way that you have to cut a body to properly, you know, split it in half. Right. It's a very technical yeah. surgery that really can only be done by somebody with medical knowledge well and to do it in the clean manner it was done because anybody this is again gruesome but anybody can try to sever a body in right saw something in half yeah but to do it at the exact precise vertebrae Mm -hmm. location that this was done yeah you have to have knowledge of that exactly exactly so keep that in mind when we're talking about suspects but yeah, it was apparently her dead body drew this huge crowd of reporters. Oh, typical of that time, the, too. It was oh, like, totally. It's call like, the police, call the newspaper. Right? Like, like <laughs> any, it's a real dead person. Come on. Come look. Come on, fellas. In come your on, words. fellas. You know, come trample over this crime scene. Exactly. Yeah, see? <laughs> Take the picture. dead body, see? Oh, no, but I guess what I was getting at, too, with um one of the pictures from um one of the press individuals that came and took a picture they like back in the day photoshopped a blanket over her body Mm. but you can see kind of the the upper portion and the lower portion under the blanket that they superimposed and it's like "Mm, that body is not like it's clearly something severed or weird underneath that blanket because it's like she's not that tall and weird weirdly shaped Right. You know what I mean? And so it it's just like it's crazy. Yeah, so basically Elizabeth Short was five foot five around our height. And Yeah. <laughs> this made me want to kill myself. Oh. 115 oh. pounds. This is okay. Okay. I'm not gonna go down a rant because everyone's gonna hate me anyway, but I'm not gonna go down the rant of the Marilyn Monroe. Like she was a size twelve. It's oh, like fuck oh, off. The I'm sorry, a size twelve then. was like 135 pounds like exactly. sorry and you were practically like obese <laughs> at that point yeah like, our mothers loved size six and size six today is like death sentence oh so. tell me about it oh my god Ugh. but there were these ligature marks on elizabeth's ankles wrists and neck there was an irregular laceration with superficial tissue loss on her right breast there also were these superficial lacerations on the right forearm left upper arm and the lower left side of the chest Um, There were these little like slash marks that were kind of in the shape of tic-tac-toe boards. Um, Those will come in as important later on in terms of symbolism and who might have done this. But in any event, as we said, this technique, this surgical technique was used in the 1930s called the hemicorpectomy. The lower half of the body was removed by transecting the lumbar spine between the second and third lumbar vertebrae. Um, and that severed the intestine at the duodenum. Um, and apparently there was very little bruising along the incision line, which says, okay, this must have happened after death. Thank God. Yeah. Um, but there were these, there was also this big laceration um, from the umbilicus to the suprapubic region, which is really consistent with a... Um, hysterectomy thank you jesus christ oh my god word search problems so it had almost looked like a hysterectomy had been done on this woman um so the skull wasn't broken but there was a lot of bruising on the front and the right side of the scalp a little bit of bleeding in the subarach 
subarachnoid space on the right side better than i am with these who knows here um but that basically determined that there were blows to the head and luckily unluckily the cause of death was determined to be the hemorrhaging from the lacerations on the face and the shock from the blows to the head yeah um and it was also there were not going to get into it but there were definitely showings consistent with rape um so I've looked into cases during this time and there is so much controversy around like was there like any type of sexual molestation even, you know, signs of that. So to me, this could mean that there were much clearer signs and they're just not reporting it mm-hmm. or this could have been accurate. It, like it's so hard to tell in my opinion at this time whether or not this is actually accurate of any type of sexual interaction that's so true at this time yeah and you just you get the feeling and we'll get more into this later too but there's just so much corruption that went on with this case and that went on with the records that went on with the findings from the studies that were done on the body and otherwise Mm -hmm. um and you just you don't know who to believe you don't know what to believe there are clear indicators um, that certain suspects are more logical or that certain whatever. Um, but you just don't know as much as you would know today if there no. were similar murder. Yeah, it just, it's interesting because I feel like the press back then was definitely more like investigative, I can't say it, investigatory. Mm-hmm. Um, but today they're less restricted i guess when talking about these subjects like yeah they were up in in the case back in the day taking pictures all that stuff but like to protect the family or protect the victim's reputation like they wouldn't report again like any type of rape or anything like that whereas today i don't know i feel like it's a lot more censored but Mm -hmm. the topics that the press is willing to uh, uh, cover Mm-hmm. are not as restricted like they yeah. were back then it if seems that makes like sense. there's less kind of concern for like the public welfare and like let's not shock the right poor the public. yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> whereas before i don't know i mean there was kind of this fantastical element of like let's report everything and like we're back in the day and like right. the press is kind of first and foremost and they have an obligation to kind of report things to the people and the people got swept up in things whatnot but when it came to the nitty-gritty details yeah it was there like, was less exposure protect her reputation right like well speaking of protecting the family or not protecting the family oh this the kills mother, me i know where you're going how horrible. she learned of it this is so terrible. messed up this so is- Oh, so this reporter from the L.A. Examiner was writing a story and trying to dig up information about Elizabeth Short. Well, hold on. So they well, yes. So they identified her, Mm -hmm. but they hadn't spoken with anybody yet. So it was. Yeah, they knew who she was, but they didn't know. But they didn't release that information yet. So they were trying to get information for their article. So yes, go ahead. And they did it in the nastiest possible way. So what they did was they got in touch with Elizabeth Short's mother, Phoebe, 
in Boston and said, hey, listen, there's this beauty uh, contest that's been going on, and we've got amazing news for you. Your daughter, Elizabeth, has won. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only issue is we need to know kind of where to send the money and where to, you know, we need some more information about her. So can you just give us, you know, We're going to ask you some questions. Yeah, and we'll do some kind of investigative work to get this bikini contest information, you know, sent over. So Phoebe, the mother, willingly gives all this information. They pry all this information out of her. Then finally the reporters are like, hey, psych, what actually happened? Thanks for the info, Thanks for the info, peace. (laughs) Your daughter actually got murdered. Mm -hmm. So Phoebe is like, what the death pageant? Congratulations. (laughs) Hottest dead girl (laughs) in L.A. Um, So then, add insult to injury, the newspaper then, after revealing this to Phoebe, offers to pay for her airfare and accommodations Ugh. to come over to Los Angeles and help with the investigation. Awful. That was another complete and total lie because the oh, newspaper. Oh, I didn't know that. Whoa. Mm-hmm, they never paid for her airfare. They never Ugh. reimbursed her. They actually kept Phoebe away from the police and the other reporters so that they could protect the scoop. Oh, my God. Crazy. Again, this is like of that era when you could do this weird isolation stuff and just like that's so crazy right so and the fact it was sort of like we were talking about i mean from here the reporters just further sensationalized the murder and would talk details about elizabeth's appearance and what she was wearing Mm -hmm. and how she died and they called her the black dahlia Mm -hmm. and um called her an adventuress and that she was a prowler of hollywood boulevard and they just sort of kind of had her described as this nefarious sort of lady of the night right she's asking for it she sort of had it coming yeah they sort of portrayed her that way yep so uh it's just it's so sad that it had to come out this way and it's so sad that you know phoebe was really used to get this information and then in the 11th hour they're like psych she murdered wait a minute she is the Grand Supreme winner of the Jean Bonnet pageant of death. <laughs> she is the winner of the hottest woman oh, in two halves. No, seriously, that's another Jean Bonnet uh, connection there. Beauty pageant. Yep. Oh, so oh, true, girl. Yeah, it's it's just I don't know. It's awful, and I don't know if we want to get into kind of the theories on how she was given her name, but there was a movie out at the time called The Blue Dahlia, mm-hmm. actually. And I guess just given Elizabeth's um, dark features and kind of wearing a darker color, loving that movie, of course, she was given the name the Black Dahlia by some of her acquaintances. And um, it just kind of stuck. But you see that nowadays, too, like having a name, whether it be the victim or the killer serial killer or whatever like that grabs headlines oh big time it totally ties into the whole sensationalism of murder and crime and you know the excitement of the public and the wrapped up that everybody feels yeah well can you only imagine too during like this to me is like hollywood's golden era yes and just like her being out there living trying to attain the hollywood dream and just failing, and not only that, just being murdered, and it just yeah, kind of... senselessly in this violent yeah. way. Ugh. It's crazy. Yep. Well, I think that that really sets the stage for where we're going to go with this unsolved mystery, unsolved crime. 
Um, now that you all have a great idea of what this crime looked like, what Elizabeth Short... Yeah, who our victim was. Yeah, who our victim was. Now it's time next week to get into who the suspects were. And this is interesting. And this is really Oof. fascinating, but also horrifying. Yeah. Um, and... I think we're going to focus on one suspect specifically mm-hmm. who was just this incredibly nefarious, unbelievably abusive and corrupt individual. It's just, again, I'm going to harp on this and I probably will next week too. It's just to me the type of thing that could go on only during a time where there wasn't so much like public social media attention so many things could be taken on undercover like you know what i mean just like behind closed doors type of thing that's so true and And boy yeah those doors have some skeletons behind them these doors are pyramid doors hint 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 hint. (laughs) if these doors could talk yeah walk like an egyptian or don't (laughs) walk like an egyptian Oh, so on that note, I think we see a little, a little foxy bubs over here waking up. So, (laughs) so we will see you all next week for the second part of this crazy unsolved mystery. Yeah, this is a, this is again, a, a good one. Again, not the right word, but you know what I mean? Just an interesting one to dig into, especially given Actually, it's so crazy to think about, like, it's not that far off from, like, 100 years ago. That's so true. You know what I mean? Like, it's, like, 80 years ago. Yeah, it really is. That's crazy. And, wow. I mean, just to think that this was going on sort of when our great-grandparents, I guess, mm-hmm. were having their heyday, it's it's pretty wild to yeah. think that this sort of stuff went on. And here we are, still talking about it now. Yep. So, can't wait to see you all back here next week for... Part two, when you embark on this mysterious journey with us. Yes. And if you have any, you know, facts, information, or anything that you think we should include or touch on in our next episode, please reach out. Please, you know, comment on our Instagram especially, but any of our social media accounts, let us know. Yeah, we love hearing from you. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Betsy Boss Podcast. If you'd like to find us online, we're on Facebook at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Instagram at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Twitter at Betsy Boss Pod, and our email is BetsyBossPodcast at gmail.com. Also, Betsy Boss is now on both iTunes and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and comment. Thanks again for listening. 